Welcome to the Reality Revolution. Today we're continuing our study of the universal laws and we are going to talk about the law of forgiveness. The law of forgiveness has many different definitions. One of the primary ones is that as you forgive others, you will be forgiven. It states that you will not be forgiven for your transgressions unless you were willing to forgive others for their transgressions. Now, I have found these universal laws to be very, very important in my practice of reality creation. I am now beginning to see the big picture, the program that I am within. These laws are always working within the simulation. The universe is clearly governed by laws. The simulation is governed by laws. Obedience to the law preserves life. Disobedience to these laws may lead to our destruction. So three things you need to know about the laws of the universe. First of all, all laws of the universe were created by the creator. The creator is consistent. He does not change, nor does he waver. The second is all laws of the universe do not play favorites. These laws apply equally to all rich or poor, young or old, every skin color, all nations, super athletes, homeless kings. And the third is all laws of the universe have a cause and an effect. What you sow, you shall also reap. One of the most obvious laws is the law of gravity. What goes up must come down. And we have talked about the law of compensation, the law of non-resistance, the law of substitution, the law of attraction, the law of receiving, and the law of success. I've done entire episodes based on other amazing authors work on these laws, such as Stuart Wilde, and the integral laws of prosperity from Catherine Ponder. The more that I read these laws, talk about them, meditate on them, and attempt to apply them in my life, I find a greater awareness of my reality, my ability to create realities, and everything becomes so much easier when you go with the flow of these universal laws. Let me just ask you, wouldn't it be beautiful if we could finally forgive ourselves and others for the burdens of perceived wrongs, guilt, judgment, shame, slights, humiliation, or sense of depriving of what we thought was lawfully ours? Imagine how light our soul would be. Forgive ourselves to be able to receive love from others. Forgive others to be able to give more love to them. With forgiveness, we tell others that we no longer hold ourselves or them guilty. We pardon, absolve, condone, and overlook everything that is stopping us from loving ourselves and others more. We, in effect, join hands with the culprit or the tormentor in a journey of self-transformation. We become our own life coach. All great teachers invite us to be generous in forgiving ourselves. First for the sins or mistakes made. To err is human and to forgive is divine. It is only by forgiving each other for the vagaries of wars that nations will one day no longer go to war. We know it's a scientific fact that physicians and psychologists have researched the relationship between stress and illness and have concluded that the ability or inability to forgive 
affects the outcome of serious illness. People who have a forgiving nature increase their chances of recovery. Forgiveness is a mystical, not logical command. It makes no sense to the reasoning mind because the reasoning mind is generally incapable of forgiveness. Genuine forgiveness is a self-initiated mystical act that requires the assistance of grace to release you from the compulsive and often self-righteous chatter of the ego which continually enforces a position of entitled anger or hurt. Forgiveness is not the act of releasing the aggressor, though it is usually interpreted this way, nor is it a way of telling others that what they have done is okay with you, and all is forgiven now. Neither of those interpretations even come close to the mystical essence of forgiveness, which is fundamentally between you and God. A genuine act of forgiveness takes place in the inner landscape where your disappointed, hurt, abused, or angry ego confronts your soul, which holds to a cosmic template of justice. The ego wants to hold another person responsible for why certain events in your life turned out as they did, or why you were hurt or treated unfairly. We always want justice to serve us and not the other, which of course means we always want to be right. Ultimately, forgiveness is a battle between the righteousness of your ego and your capacity to transcend whatever situation you have experienced. Forgiveness has been talked about for years, and many books have been written on the subject. I would definitely recommend The Law of Forgiveness, written by Connie Domino. That one is very good. I also found a book called Forgiveness is a Choice, Step-by-Step Process for Resolving Anger and Restoring Hope by Robert Enright as well as Forgive Your Parents, Heal Yourself by Barry Groskopf and Robin Kazarjan's book Forgiveness, A Bold Choice for a Peaceful Heart. One of my favorite discussions of the law of forgiveness is from Raymond Hollowell, who we've read previously in our episode on working the law, law of compensation, law of receiving, as well as the law of success. Raymond Hollowell was an amazing teacher and many of his students reported great success in applying his teachings which were primarily designed around the law and this comes from his book working with the law 11 truth principles for successful living the law of forgiveness forgive and ye shall be forgiven luke 637 there are crucial things in life that call for great human qualities Our present fear is that man will not be big enough to meet the demands of the day. A lack of large character equipment is a real peril at all times. It is here and now that the world needs the help of a master such as Jesus the Christ. Jesus taught bigness of character to his followers. With such bigness within himself, he was more than a preacher. He was a teacher supreme. He not only pointed the way, But he went forward and showed the way. In the hours of great stress, he showed himself mightier than Pilate, the governor of all Judea, or Caiaphas, the high priest and head of the church, or any and all of the accusing scribes and Pharisees. It is true that for a moment they had power over his body and tried him and condemned him to be crucified. 
the maximum sentence that could be given anyone. But through it all, his mind and spirit commanded them. They dragged him through the streets bound as a prisoner. They nailed him to the cross on the hill of Calvary. But he, looking down upon them and seeing their smallness of mind, cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. A man who is great enough to forgive is always greater than the forgiven. He is superior. He is greater than his adversary. Peter the disciple was greatly perplexed one time while listening to one of the many lessons of the Master. He raised the question which is the basis of this lesson. Turning to Jesus, he asked, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him until seven times? Now this was a generous gesture on his part. For the Jewish law, which he had known, allowed a man to be given three times. This was more than twice the grace that the law allowed. So Peter must have felt the Lord would be pleased with his extension of forgiveness. But he found himself more perplexed when Jesus answered, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Such a period would be indefinitely So by that answer, there are no limits or restrictions to the spirit graces. The quality of forgiveness must be as limitless as faith, hope, and love. The teachings of Jesus in reference to man's power to forgive sins are, I believe, among the least understood of all the commands. As a rule, there is a separation made between sin and its many effects. When a man sins, we have been taught to think that this was a job for the minister, and so he is called to pray for the sinner. When a man becomes sick and distressed in mind and body from the effects of the sins he committed, we call for a doctor. The doctor in turn endeavors to treat or repair the body and arrest the suffering. This at best we know is but a temporary measure, for no real healing or permanent cure can be effected until the doctor and the minister work together. Jesus was the master physician in that he dealt with sin and sickness jointly, When they brought a man to him who had been sick with palsy, Jesus spoke of forgiving the man's sins in order to heal him. The people who had gathered around and heard him speak questioned his actions. They said, Who is this that speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God alone? They did not understand how he could consider sin as a cause of palsy. But there are some no further advanced today who still want to believe that such a disease is caused by a physical or an organic disorder rather than to accept the possibility of it being a mental or spiritual laxity. Jesus plainly taught that if ye forgive sin, the effect of such an act of forgiveness would become absorbed with natural and healthy ideas, much the same as the blackest of night is absorbed with the dawn of light. The blackness disappears and the light of day shines upon all alike. When healthy and natural ideas fill the mind, the body takes on a like condition. Thus are progressive men and women who are turning to a broader field of study and are effecting healings through mental and spiritual processes are not giving us anything new. They are merely catching up with the facts of the Master and are practicing His methods and teachings more liberally. Jesus taught, that the originating place of every act was in the mind. He said in brief that where there is lust in the heart, there is a sin, though the act may never be committed. At another place he speaks of the origin of sin being in the mind first before the act 
is committed. For from within he said, Out of the heart of man proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, murders, thefts, deceit, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile the man. Scientists accept the truth, that the body of man is moved by the mind, that all its functioning is governed by a ruling thought. Whether that thought is subjective or objective, whether it is conscious or unconscious, those who study the mental processes find that all the conditions of the body are created or caused by the mind. It is known that creation in any and every form is governed by and subject to a law. Hence, when one misuses, inverts, or violates a law, this mistake is called a sin. A sin is a mistake, a misunderstanding, and a misjudgment. A mistake is falling short of or disobeying the law, whether that law be mechanical or spiritual. Correction is the only method of adjustment or of appeasing the law. Thus, repentance and forgiveness are the only means available to alter and correct the mistake. They are the only means of liberating man from suffering the painful consequences of a mistake. They are the only means that will enable him to become in accord or in harmony with the law. Forgiveness of sin means that we must forgive, forsake, and forget that thought or person or condition which prompted the sin. It means to abandon or let go of the thing you ought not to do. To abandon or release the wrong thoughts or idea is to be absolved and liberated from its sinful effects. Forgiveness is the first requirement which permits man to be in harmony with the law of his being. Who can tell what the law is, we may ask. Anyone who studies man as both a mental and a physical being can know the law. If he were to try to learn the law by studying the physical actions or the results of the sin alone, it would lead to nowhere. It would be running around in circles and that would be useless and futile. If he will go deeper and study the causes and that which prompted the sin, he will get results. He must analyze the case and search for some harbored, hidden and forgotten shock or condition that would have caused the illness. Then unless this harbored thought is uprooted from the unconscious mind or memory, this condition will continue to appear again and again in spite of all the surface remedies that may be applied to arrest the pain. Like weeds in your garden, if you go about and cut them off each time, they appear before your eyes. They may be cut off for a time, but because they were not pulled out root and all, they will sprout again. Weeds must be pulled out completely to be destroyed and permanently removed. A noted physician, talking before a group of other medical men on this very subject of thought, being the source of disease, was recorded as having said in his concluding remarks, Abnormal tumors and cancers are due to a long period of suppressed grief and anxiety. Another way of saying this is that such diseases are due to a lot of sinful thoughts getting bottled up and suppressed within our minds. If this state is so destroying, it might be wise for us to probe into our own selves and note the effect our emotions have upon the physical organism. Then let us seek by every means at our command to overcome, abandon, and forsake every emotional tug that has a debilitating and disturbing effect. Another leading psychiatrist has said, most of the cases of mental disorder of a functional type are due to a sense of guilt. There are some harbored and congested thoughts that need forgiveness. 
Usually a sick mind fears to release them or to forgive them. This is natural, for if they were able to release and forgive the fearful thoughts, they would no longer be sick-minded. Professor Gates of the Psychological Laboratory of Washington, D.C., in an experiment testing the emotions and the reactions of the body, found some interesting results. He found some 40 bad emotions and many more that were good. Of all the bad emotions, he said the reaction of guilt was the worst. This deduction was gained by a chemical analysis of the perspiration taken from the body. A small quantity of perspiration was taken from each emotional reaction and tested. The bad emotion showed a strong acid test. Now, if you put some acid on your flesh, you know what will happen. The acid will burn. And if allowed to continue to burn, it will prove painful and destroy the very tissue of your flesh. It is such a chemical reaction that is affecting the tissue and organism of the body when these destroying thoughts are allowed to harbor within and generate poison which weakens and eventually destroys the body. A wise physician one day had a caller who, as he had put it, had gone the round of the doctors and sanitariums, but with it all was as yet not healed. In fact, he was growing worse, and in addition to the original malady, he had an increasing condition of melancholia and with suicidal tendency. The physician, knowing that he had gone the rounds and had had medical care, decided to approach the case from a mental angle. He questioned and studied each answer with care. Before a time, he gained the confidence of his patient and learned the real secret cause of his long illness. Many years before, this man and his brother were business partners, and the man had appropriated and lost some money that rightfully belonged to his brother. It was used in such a way that his brother could not have found this out even if he had investigated. They later severed business connections and he retired from that work. But as he put it, he could never forgive himself for taking the money. He wanted to return it, but could not do so without the brother learning the truth. He said that it was not the fear of legal punishment that tormented him so much, but the possible loss of his brother's affection. They had always been inseparable and devoted. It was for this reason that he feared to confess his guilt and make amends in whatever way he could. The physician explained that the thing to do was to relieve this hidden pressure. The only way to do it was to call on his brother and make a clean breast of the whole affair. The patient, not equal to the suggestion, went home to think it over. Three days later, he called the physician, stating that he had spent three dreadful days and sleepless nights battling with himself and had decided to visit his brother. He was in such a mental state that he knew his brother's treatment once he learned he was a thief could be no worse than the misery he was suffering. He told his brother the story and to his surprise the brother threw his arms about him and rejoiced with him that it was cleared from his mind. It was a joyful time for them. For that cloud, the only cloud in their lives, had disappeared. The skies were clear again and the restoration of the health of the patient was miraculous to those who did not understand what had been cleared away. Through repentance and forgiveness, the man was able to do as Jesus had commanded the woman. He was called upon to judge, go thy way and sin no more. The rooted sorrow had been plucked from his memory. His mind was free to think on healthy, happy, and joyful thoughts. This allowed his body to be quickly healed. To some, it may have seemed like a miracle, but not at all. It was a natural law operating in a natural, unrestricted way. 
Facing such indisputable facts, we can understand more fully why Jesus so often spoke of forgiving sin. He knew the law of forgiveness, and he knew how vitally important a part it played in every man's life. The more we study it, the more amazed we become at its simplicity and accuracy of fulfillment. We are to forsake, for as Solomon tells us, a sin forsaken is a sin forgiven. To forgive, to release some part of our disposition that is not an asset nor a pleasure to others around us. In turn, we are repairing the breach where we have missed the mark, made a mistake or sinned. Weeds do not remove themselves in time. Instead, they will increase and grow stronger until they choke out the flower. The same thing is true of our sinful thoughts. In the garden of our memory, they must be plucked out, cast out, and destroyed so that only flowers of healthy and happy thoughts may grow. A man may have the habit of excessive drinking and is not only miserable within himself but causes much unhappiness in his home. He desires to overcome the sinful habit. He is given every aid from his friends and loved ones to help him resist the desire and the craving for drink. Time after time he rises above the temptation and then he fails. Repeatedly his family forgives him and encourages him to battle on. Finally, he reaches the place when he no longer has the craving. Then he is able to forsake the desire for drink and overcome its sinful effects. Then he has forsaken not the drink alone, but the desire for the drink. When man forsakes the idea that prompts the desire and brings about the physical action, then and not until then does the law forgive and lift him from its debilitating effect. A sin forsaken is a sin forgiven when the thought or idea that prompted the sin is corrected. James explains the truth clearly in saying, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Simply put, it means that every man, when he conceives an idea that is wrong, destructive or evil and dwells upon it, eventually causes it to become a fact When he wishes to overcome a sinful condition, he does not waste time wrestling with the fact, but corrects, forsakes, forgets, forgives the idea that started it. This is the weed in the garden that must be pulled out top, stalk, root, and all to be completely destroyed. At another time, we find that Jesus repeated the law, and with some explanation in his prayer, he states, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This is a perfectly reasonable proposition. As we forgive those who transgress against us, so shall we be forgiven of our transgressions. This law has followed us down through time, and today we speak of it as though it were something new. We call it modern psychology. The law reads that certain ideas must be dissolved and cleared from the mind in order that other ideas or new ideas of a different character may replace them. It may be explained as a bottle that is already full, which must be emptied before it can be refilled or added to. Jesus spoke of it when he said, Neither do men put new wine in old bottles, else the bottles break. For example, if you hold in your mind that someone has wronged you or has treated you unjustly, 
You cannot be free from your wrongdoings or injustice so long as you hold that thought in your consciousness. Often people complain that they do not understand clearly or get the illumination of spirit as others have testified. You need only to search your memory to find the cause. If you do not get the understanding you expect, first search your mind for lurking, unforgiving thoughts that have been tucked away from your notice. Is your thought realm filled with the resentment that you may hold against some person or condition? Have you a feeling that you have been slighted by this person or that one? The law reads, if ye forgive not their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. We make the conditions for ourselves as we meet the demands of the law. Some people ask if we believe in canceling monetary obligations of those who owe us, or literally should we cancel the debts of our debtors? There were a number of people in the past months who have made the front page in the newspaper because they wrote off their books with receipts in full to all who owed them. Did this eliminate the debts? Well, the debtors were loud in their praises for such a generous soul, but they came right back to do more business with the grocer or the butcher and ask them to charge it. In other words, they were glad to be relieved of the debt charged against them, but they knew no different than to return and open a new account. The answer is that so long as we believe in the necessity and reality of debt, such debt will continue to endure. So long as we believe in debts, we shall get into debt and continue to collect all the burdens and headaches that come with them. He who does not in his own thought release all men who owe him stands liable himself to fall into debt. If we send receipted bills to all who owe us, would that relieve us from the burden of debt? No, the signing of the receipt does not erase the idea of debt from our minds. First we must erase from our minds the thought that anyone can owe us anything. This then will bring us into a clear atmosphere in which we sow seeds or ideas of abundance for those who are indebted to us. In this way, the debtors will find their minds more fertile soil to bring forth thoughts of abundance. When they catch the spirit of the free-flowing thought of plenty, they will be happy to pay their debts, and all that is justly ours will come to us cheerfully. In other words, when we free our minds from all thoughts of debt and try to realize more and more of the presence of plenty, we shall soon be strong enough to reach out and realize abundance for our debtors. As they are lifted up from the thoughts of limitation and lack, they will attract more and more substance with which they can pay their bills in this way, and only in this way can debts be permanently cancelled. Through applying the law of forgiveness, both parties concerned will be lifted from a debt consciousness to a prosperous consciousness, and prosperity and plenty shall abound. Everyone must at some time walk the path of forgiveness. We must learn to live this law. It must be important for the master taught there was no hope of forgiveness for the unforgiving. Only as we forgive are we forgiven. We must put forth the first effort. Our willingness must open the way for our forgiveness. We dare not ask more of the law than we are able to extend to ourselves or to our brothers unless we prove this law by living it. We cannot hope to gain the bigness of character that life requires. As we ponder over this whole thought, we may wonder if the Master was looking forward 
to the essential part forgiveness must play in the order of the world events of today. The truth runs deep into every day life. When we recall the rivalries that prevail in almost every shop and office, when we see the jealousies that divide the neighborhood, when we observe and feel the envies, both scholastic and professional, when we have strife and discord in our own homes, when we see the solemn, though simple teachings of forgiveness strike deeply into your life and mine, if we cannot forgive, we may know. We have a small soul, untouched by the teachings of the Master. These are our daily tests, for it is in the school of forgiveness that the lessons of life are learned. That slight misdeed of yesterday, why should it mar today? The thing he said, the thing you did, have long since passed away. For yesterday was but a trial, today you will succeed, and from mistakes of yesterday will come some noble deed. Forgive yourself for thoughtlessness, do not condemn the past, for it is gone with its mistakes, their memory cannot last. Forget the failures and misdeeds from such experience rise. Why shouldn't you let your head be bowed, lift up your heart and eyes? Selected. So Hollowell's teaching is very simple. You can only be forgiven if you can begin to forgive yourself. So the question is, who should you forgive? You should forgive everyone you can remember living or deceased, from the sandbox right through today. Then say an additional forgiveness affirmation for anyone you may have forgotten. You should also forgive institutions, political parties, governments, etc. Remembering that people run these organizations, when all the layers are peeled back, it is still a relationship that we are talking about. It is still a person or persons you are forgiving. How do you know you need to forgive? And you should know you need to forgive someone if you feel or think you might feel anger, hurt, or resentment toward someone. The first person that pops into your head when you listen to those words is obviously the person you need to begin with and then proceed in the order that people come to your mind. I can guarantee you that the person with whom you're most angry, resentful, and unforgiving will pop into your head immediately. What if somebody needs to forgive you? If you have hurt someone and would like their forgiveness, you can still use forgiveness affirmations that I will give you in just a second. You can also forgive or be forgiven by those who have already passed on. Forgiveness is something you do for yourself, first and foremost. Many people have many wrong ideas about forgiveness. They think to forgive means condoning the wrong done against them. They believe they have to contact the people who hurt them and get them involved. They think that forgiveness is something that you do for the other people, that it's a selfless act. While all this sounds noble, it's simply not true. First, forgiveness doesn't negate bad behavior. Forgiveness doesn't mean you agree with or accept how you were treated. Forgiveness is not to be confused with pardon. People should be held responsible for their behavior whether it's immoral, unethical, illegal, or all three. When you forgive, you are releasing yourself from this person and their actions on an energetic level. Forgiveness actually places power back in your hands. 
Forgiveness also doesn't mean you will allow that person to treat you in a manner you don't deserve again. You don't have to get in touch with the person you're forgiving. Sometimes the people we need to forgive aren't around. They could be in other states, other countries, or no longer living. Those you forgive don't necessarily have to know you've forgiven them. The important thing is that you let go and free yourself from the anger and resentment. Forgiveness is selfish. It doesn't mean it's negative. Far from being negative, it's one of the most loving and positive things you can do for yourself as well as for others. So you can say this to forgive others. I forgive you completely and freely. I release you and let you go. So far as I'm concerned, the incident that happened between us is finished forever. I wish the best for you. I wish for you your highest good. I hold you in the light. I am free and you are free and all again is well between us. Peace be with you. Now, if you want someone else to forgive you, you could say their name. You could say, Wendy forgives me completely and freely. She releases me and lets me go. You can say whoever's name it is. So far as whatever the name is, so far as Wendy is concerned, the incident that happened between us is finished forever. Wendy wishes the best for me. Wendy wishes for me the highest good. Wendy holds me in the light. Wendy is free and I am free and all again is well between us. Peace be with us. You put their name and you say that again. If you want to forgive yourself, you say this. You say, I forgive myself completely and freely. I release myself and I let me go. So far as I'm concerned, the incident that happened is finished forever. I wish the best for me. I wish for myself the highest good. I hold myself in the light. I am free and all again is well with me. Peace be with me. That's all you got to say. It's not hard. Catherine Ponder in the Dynamic Laws of Prosperity suggests that you practice forgiveness every day. She says, sit for half an hour every day and mentally forgive everyone that you are out of harmony with, feel badly toward, or are concerned about. If you accused any of injustice, if you have discussed anyone unkindly, if you have criticized or gossiped about anyone, if you are legally involved with anyone, mentally ask their forgiveness. Subconsciously, they will respond. In like manner, if you have accused yourself of failure or mistake, forgive yourself. Forgiveness can form a vacuum that will undam your prosperity and success. People have reported results from saying the forgiveness affirmations in as little as five minutes. Maybe it takes a couple hours, a couple weeks, or a month. But if you continue to forgive yourself, you can try the Ho'oponopono technique, which I have an eight-hour, a three-hour, and a 30-minute meditation. And we say, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, and thank you. Repeating that over and over. There's a sort of deep forgiveness that comes within for all around you and yourself. I still have to work on this. But the thing about it in my life, there's some people that truly forgave me for some terrible things that I did. These things haunted me. I hated myself. I couldn't let it go. I couldn't forgive myself. I struggled with it. I got sick. And these people, they forgave me. And they saved my life. And I wouldn't be able to do this podcast if they had not done that simple thing. The power of forgiving someone 
is incomprehensible and you can forgive and be forgiven and it will change your life in so many ways this is the law of forgiveness you can find all episodes of the reality revolution at therealityrevolution.com and welcome to the reality revolution <laughs>